Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guests today are Brian and Shannon Miles. Guys, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you so much thanks for having us on. We've, uh, we've had a nice little chat offline and, and I, somehow I think Brian and I were probably separated at birth. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really yeah. crazy just all the intersections our lives have had and, you know, geographically, spiritually, I mean, all kinds of things. So yeah. guys, this story is not about me. The story's about you. I would love for you to share your little background with our Rising Tide listeners. Sure. So yeah, I, my guess is that we probably are cousins, Kevin Bacon. it's closer than six degrees it's like one or two that's right right. the missouri connection that is Uh, missouri mafia (laughs) so yeah we um our story um for our organizations actually kind of got started back in 2010 but to back up just a little bit shannon and i met in college uh we met in the fall of 1995 at a christian college in ohio mount vernon nazarene university and um, she was a freshman and I was a junior and we um, just connected then and connected then as in he was at school scoping out all the freshman girls that were coming in yeah he said he was like an official host I've used that line (laughs) very important you know VP duties that he had to perform to to welcome the new freshman in I was a student government that was a duty (laughs) to scam on all the young girls So it yeah, was. so I uh, we met then, and uh, after college we moved to Atlanta, and we had professional careers for about ten years. And um, I worked for a construction company uh, that built churches and renovated churches around the United States, mm-hmm. and I led a team of people. I was on the management team and was on the sales side of that business, and um, and that was a really good career. And then Shannon worked for McKesson, which is a Fortune ten company, a very yep. large company. Um, most recently in project management, but in the summer of 2010, we kind of got to this place where we thought we wanted to do something for ourselves. And we were about mm-hmm. 10 years into our career uh, there about, mm-hmm. and we thought, 12 years into marriage. yeah, and our kids were two and five yeah. and we thought we just, it'd be nice if we tried to do something. So we did a lot of due diligence over that summer and we asked really smart people that were very successful in business, um, about our ideas and just got their feedback. Um, now, mind you, this this was at the time was during the Great Recession. Mm, so this is on the, exactly. the kind of at the peak of it. Unemployment was nine point six percent, and we had a lot of our friends out of work. So the idea of us leaving nice, perceived stable jobs, with, health insurance, and four hundred one ks, and all the things that you work for, you know? yeah, exactly. So it just seemed like we were cuckoo, but um, we felt like it was the right thing to do. So we um, went into our employers um, on her birthday. And on the same day, within an hour of each other, and gave our notices to our employers. But knowing what you were going to or not knowing what you were going to? Now that we, we agreed that this is what we were going to do. We were going to walk in and give our notice at the same time. So we went literally all in on the concept of being an entrepreneur. And okay. um, then we did something else that a lot of people would freak out about. And, we, and not necessarily recommending. Yeah, it's just our story. We don't recommend it, but we did it. Don't try this at home, kids. Out. Yeah, <laughs> we cashed out our 401ks and we used that as our startup capital. And our thinking at the time was, well, we can always go back mm-hmm. and get a job. Uh, but Build it back up. Yeah. Build it back up again. But yeah. it, fortunately for us, uh, we were in a different position and 
our business really took off mm-hmm. um, and we mm-hmm. you know got to a good spot so you kind of skipped over the whole idea you you started you you wanted to do something on your own you started asking smart people questions and then the next thing it's like I was a B and then I was at Q so yeah. how did you how did you kind of <laughs> land on the, yeah. on the idea I mean or and what are some other things that you guys considered other than than what you landed on sure well, when we were trying to figure out exactly what business we wanted to be in, ironically, the first idea that we had is the one that is still our core business mm-hmm. today, which is virtual assistance. Um, and it was bred out of the idea that, you know, we were living in the North Atlanta area. Brian's company was based in Ohio. His assistant, and I'm going to use air quotes for the yeah. audio, like his virtual assistant, because that really wasn't a term at the time. Uh, was in Charlotte and the two of them just worked really well together, maybe saw each other a couple times a year, but were able to accomplish so much as a team that we thought, man, if we could create a company around how this works, teach people how it works, find great people to do the work, like scaling at the time we just served churches. So Mm -hmm. scaling churches could really take advantage of resources that were not otherwise available to them. So that very first concept of virtual assistance for churches and ministries is still the core of what we do today. Now that said, um, we, I think the next service we launched was a virtual executive pastor service, which, was something that a lot of people were curious in, but nobody wanted to buy. So that was a dud. (laughs) And then then in January of 2011, we launched a bookkeeping offering, which at the time was a very prevalent outsourced service that churches use. So Mm -hmm. that we partnered with somebody in that, and that took off very quickly um, and is another core offering that Belay still has today. Um, So we definitely have tried some things over the years that have worked and tried some things over the years that were great ideas that nobody wanted to buy. So I just scrapped those. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it sounded like, I mean, you were already in kind of the church space. So you understood that market. You understood kind of the client. You you spoke church speak um, already, but so... I mean, I'm assuming today that your your services are more broadly than just a, a church audience. What walk us through yes. that transition and and when that happened and how it happened and why it happened? Sure. So, back in the summer of 2011, so nine months into our business, um, we were actually ironically on vacation, and uh, Michael Hyatt, who is a pretty well known author yeah. and, and at the time had just left being the CEO of Thomas Nelson, uh-huh. um, a publishing group, he tweeted which you know when people still use twitter i think a lot of people do yeah yeah uh but he tweeted hey you know i'm looking for a virtual assistant you know anybody and so one of our other clients um texted me and said hey michael hyatt just tweeted about this you should reach out to him so i stopped the car and basically I, about pulled the car off the road like oh my gosh <laughs> and i tweeted him Somebody and I said, hey. yeah we knew he was a big deal yeah. Yeah. yeah so i said hey i own a virtual assistant company i'd like to talk to you so he dm'd me back and forth and we called we talked about two hours later had a nice chat and then the next day he act he asked for a contract and so he became a client of ours as well he was very pleased with our service very early on and his experience with us and he made one tweet i'm not making this up 
and it, it filled up our inbox full of sales leads from everybody that wasn't a church. So from that point forward, we basically were just um, totally consumed by, you know, a, a physician or an attorney or a CEO and everything that wasn't a pastor. And so we knew that we were onto something, like there was something bigger, broader going on, and we knew that there was application for our services in other ways beyond just where we hadn't initially started with church. Wow. And this is, you said, did you say nine months after you had launched? Yeah. 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 We so call it our Oprah moment. It is certainly your aha moment for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. but the, I mean, what, walk us through kind of the first nine months. I mean, growth was, was obviously fairly steady and I mean, it was probably just you two guys and then you were just onboarding people as needed, I, I would assume at least initially. Is that right? Yeah. So if I think back to the first nine months, you know, a lot of it was just all the heavy lifting of starting a business, you know, going through the incorporation, yeah. setting up a website, um, contracts, marketing, uh, client onboarding, like all the heavy, you know, five, how are you going to pay your bills? You know, setting up QuickBooks, like all the things. Exactly. And, um, even from the very beginning, though, we contracted with Brian's virtual assistant for five hours a week because we knew that we were going to need help administratively to mm. get started. Yep. And um, I, so Brian and I are gifted very differently. He's, he's big picture, visionary, sales, marketing, brilliant. And I'm more operations, execution, client-facing, onboarding, project management, legal. So we kind of took those two different, you know, groupings of skill sets and divided and conquered in the beginning. And one of the things that fell on my plate was finance. And I wouldn't say it's my gifting at all, um, but it fell within the realm of operations. So I like, you know, got QuickBooks set up. I'm like, I can do this. And very shortly after, Brian's like, we're going to outsource that too. <laughs> so, um, so it was a lot of, you know, figuring out, you know, what we needed to keep and what we needed to outsource, just yeah. like our customers were having to figure sure. out, right? And um, we stayed pretty focused on, you know, the the network that Brian had established through his his former job. And I think if anybody's listening and they're just getting started and they're trying to figure out the market that they should go after. I think one of the key factors of success for us early on was going really deep in one sector mm. because we were able to get some social credibility. We, will, we were able to gain traction and we weren't trying to spread our focus and our resources so thin that nothing took. So that would be a recommendation I would give to anybody who's getting started is go deep in one sector, one vertical, and then, and then grow from there. So would you define that vertical as the church space or would you define the vertical like post Michael Hyatt, we're now in the executive, you know, administrative assistant space? Initially it was the church. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. yeah the, the vertical for us was let's serve churches in the U S very, mm -hmm. very well. And then we kind of drilled down on what size churches we thought would work with each service line. And then from there, like I said, you know, vertical started popping up of, you know, beyond church or that being publishing mm -hmm. or manufacturing or construction. Um, they started to emerge, you know, as, as 
as predominant verticals that we would serve. Today, for example, in Belay, we are, we serve over 30 different verticals yeah. or industries. Wow. All, you know, so we're we're pretty broad, and we've realized how we can pretty good, we can go pretty wide with a lot of folks and go, you know, deep too, and small organizations and nonprofits and all the way up to very big corporations. So we, we're fortunate to have a business that can scale in multiple directions. So kind of walk us through the last 10 years. How, how is that? I mean, has the growth been just this right pointed hockey stick growth or <laughs> has there been some little roller coaster ride along the way or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, I think, you know, we like to call our early days of uh, our business, you know, they were really great, but they were early struggle and they were, you know, like a lot of businesses, they, you have struggled that you have to, navigate and go through and and there's there's what happens in any organization when you're starting to grow you got um you have a group of people on your team and everybody's wearing multiple hats you know they're you're essentially your general practitioners you know one person's doing three things over here another person's doing three things and then sure. finally you get to a place in your business maybe around 15 20 people where you can go time out okay, Bob, you get to do this one thing really well. And Sally, you get to do this thing really well. And Brian, yep. you get to do this thing really well. And so you move from this place of being general practitioners to specialists. And that's about the time in our business where we saw it really kind of hockey stick. And mm -hmm. we were fortunate we broke even in our business around 14 months in. And that was a wonderful milestone. But where we really started to see traction was and take off is when we moved everybody to focusing on a particular job. And um, you know, that was probably about three years into our company at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, we refined our systems and process and we, we actually relied heavily on a book called predictable success. It's a really great book for folks that are out there. Um, and then another one that we've leaned into as we've grown our business is Vern Harnish's book, which is called scaling up. And that book is excellent because it tells you that, you know, you need to be prepared for what they call the valley of death. Mm -hmm. which is essentially there's milestones at certain revenue targets you get to where you, as you approach those things, the things that got you there won't be the things that get you right. to the next level. You've got to refine your systems, your process and your people. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. It's hard. It's very hard to do. Yeah. And so we've just made the decision. We're going to look for those valley of death. We're going to look for those signals and then we're going to start refining it. And, and you're, we we're, we work really hard to have our team embrace change because mm -hmm. change benefits the organization and our clients. Mm -hmm. yep. And so I would say that it's, it's been more of a, an ongoing upward roller coaster. Yeah. There's been those moments where we kind of drop down to go up and sure. um, we, I will just tell you, I feel very fortunate to be in the position we're in this. We, mm -hmm. we know that a lot of um, just from the statistics, a lot of businesses don't make it. So we, we really feel grateful for the, the, the seat that we're in with our business. So did, uh, did Michael Hyatt get like a free t-shirt that said belay, you know, number one belayer or something? You <laughs> got a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. No, he, we, we've, um, it's really nice. You know, we've, we were, you know, basically a service provider for several years and then we built a personal friendship with him and his wife and they're just good human beings and they yeah. really try hard to point people to good resources that they believe in. And we've been the benefactor of that. And we're very grateful. We try and do that now too with the you know, organizations that we fallen in love with that we appreciate. We try and do the same thing and, and share those because of what he's done for us. I, I would affirm that a hundred percent because I am a LinkedIn belay stalker 
and I can see the stuff that they're posting and the, the yeah. support they're giving to other organizations out there. It, it really is cool to see. So I, uh, you, Shannon, you touched a second ago about um, this idea of kind of putting processes in place and, doc, you know, well-documented and really kind of drilling down. And, and um, I, I don't remember the exact phraseology that you used, but the, the whole idea was that, you know, you had grown to, to a point that you had to, had to kind of shift and change and transition. But isn't that difficult to do like midstream? Like it's almost like trying to remodel the plane while it's in the air. I mean, so how did you guys, I mean, if, speak some words of wisdom for other owners that are, you're kind of in that, okay, we got past the initial growth. We kind of got over the, over the hump there. Now we're having to change and transition right now. Uh, mm-hmm. give them some, some sage advice on how to, how to almost hit, you don't, you can't hit the reset button cause you're still yeah. riding that bike so quickly, but you kind of understand mm-hmm. the, the base of the question there. I do. I do. And the analogy that we've often used at Belay is, is not, you know, we're building the airplane as it's going off the runway. It's we're building the rocket ship as we're going into to orbit because in a lot of ways, that's how quick the trajectory of growth was for Belay. So I think it was actually a little easier earlier on when the growth was more consistent mm-hmm. and upward yep. um, because it's exciting and you know there's a lot of energy around the company and you're celebrating these wins and you're growing your team and all the things. It's it's when it's when that growth rate starts to level off or it's when you have to make major system changes or restructure teams. That's when the rubber meets the road. And that's when you have to lead through those seismic shift is probably too extreme of a term, but at least a tremor in your Mm -hmm. business that isn't just the rah, rah fun. Let's go get new clients. And, I think for us, you know, the, the biggest event around that was when we first got started with each new service line, we created another company. So it got to the point in 2016, 16, that we had five different organizations that we were leading. And while it seemed like the right idea at the time, it ended up creating a lot of strain on the team a lot of push and pull of resources, a lot of complexity internally and and most importantly, externally in the market. So that was a really, it was a really big decision that we had to make to say, we actually think in order to scale to the next level, right? To grow, Mm -hmm. uh, we need to combine all these companies into one. And that's when Belay in 2017 became an entity in and of itself. So this, this prior is Belay that, Solutions, was, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So prior to that, it was EA Help, Mag Bookkeeping, and some other organizations. So that was the most difficult, um, albeit right, transition we had yeah. to make as an organization in order to continue to grow. So we did definitely almost, we almost forced ourselves into one of those valleys of death like Brian was just talking about, um, where we had to consolidate a lot of systems and, you know, maybe some people were working on things that they hadn't been working on before. Maybe that was good. Maybe it was not. We certainly took a hit with our SEO. 
um, in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had to, we ended up having to actually let some people go that year and it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was really, really hard. Um, but once we were able to lead through that and start to see the fruit of our hard work pay off in 2018, that's when it it felt almost like startup again, you know? So I think as a business owner, you have to be willing to stomach and weather and lead through those, those kinds of changes in order to grow your company. If you're going to try to just keep things status quo and remain flat, you'll eventually start to decline. So you have to go into business ownership with a mindset and the fortitude to say, there are going to be some really difficult times, but if we're doing it for the right reasons, yeah. we'll actually be able to come out stronger on the other side. I'm, I'm curious that what was the, the thinking um, of starting new entities every time you started kind of a new vertical versus just doing this like, okay, this is Belay Bookkeeping, this is Belay, or, or maybe yeah. the name came, came along in 2017 when you consolidated it everything. Did. So yeah. what was the... Are, and were these like DBA, were they doing business as under one LLC or were these all individual no. companies, so to speak? No, we, at the time, the way we were set up is we, we owned all of these companies, but we, we decided that each brand would have its own kind of life in the market. We'd build its own structure and then it would report into a parent company that we created. Um, and as Shannon alluded to earlier, that just became a giant beast. Um, you know, and it was, it was a lot of different reasons why we made that change happen. A lot of it was because we were confusing the market with multiple brands and Mm. selling to the same audiences with the same, with multiple brands versus just being one brand. Um, and, and so that was the biggest for us is we wanted to have less brand confusion in the market. But the decision to have them separate, I think was a lot around, you know, the ability to grow each one. Sure. At different rates. Well, and I will just tell you too, I won't speak for Shannon on this, but I'll speak for me. It was also an ego thing. Mm. You know, it was, it was a thing to say like, you know, we have these, all these companies, look how great this is. And we have a parent (laughs) company and, and it just, it was, it was just um, naive to think that we could scale that. We see how now I actually know how that's done with a parent company. If we were to ever do that again, I actually know how parent companies operate and it wasn't the way we were doing it. (laughs) You know, so there was just some ego and that we had to kind of die to, or I had to die to in that to say, no, this can be one really great thing. And I think belay encapsulates it really well. I mean, belay is a rock climbing term or a climbing term, and we're in a support role to help our clients climb higher. Hmm. And that's what belayers do. So the belay meaning has taken on really a cool life of its own. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people, once they understand that kind of that visual, um, they go, oh, I get it. This is really cool. You guys do really support your clients in this way. Mm-hmm. So it's a little quick little side note here. The the first time I ever heard the word belay in my life was at a university in Springfield, Missouri, when I was scaling down the side of the of the football stadium <laughs> on a like a military science course, and thinking, I am very grateful that there is someone down there belaying for me because. Yeah. <laughs> I would end up in the parking lot <laughs> as an oil right. stick. And yeah, so it's another intersection with my our guest today. But I I wanted to ask you guys, and either one of you take this one, but the the idea as a business owner, there are there are so many opportunities that that kind of come across your desk and so many shiny objects. And it's it 
seems like to me that you guys have navigated that pretty well in the last 10 years. The idea, I mean, you've, you started, you know, new opera, you, you've taken new opportunities, but they've at least been in the same quote family, so to speak, you know, they're, maybe they're mm-hmm. complementary in, in, in uh, the way they function, but how do you deal with that as a business owner, especially if you're a visionary and you can, you know, if, if what's the old adage that says when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, so how give us some wisdom in that, like people that want to listen to just have this squirrel moment all the time, you know, how do you deal with that? That is so funny. We, we sit on a fair amount of podcasts and interviews and rarely are we ever asked that question, but it is definitely something that we have had to navigate along the way. Um, I think especially once you start getting some traction in the market, then more and more people start to approach you of, Absolutely. Hey, have you guys thought about doing yep. uh, insurance? Have you guys thought about doing health, uh, like HR oversight? Have you thought about doing legal um, industry support? It's like it, you'll get, if once you start hitting radars, yep. there is no shortage of opportunity to filter through in addition to all of the ideas that you want to explore right. as right. a business owner. And I think saying no more than yes has saved us from a lot of rabbit trails that we could have gone down. Yeah. yeah not, not every opportunity is qualified. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's true regardless of whether you're leading an organization that's for profit or nonprofit, you know, there's just, you have to qualify opportunity and make sure that it makes sense and you can look around the corners with it. Most times what's the most obvious opportunity in front of you it's some iteration of that and its future is what you actually end up going to market with. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, knowing that you can see past the, the shiny thing and look at, you know, look around it to see, okay, does this thing really have legs to it? Can it really do what we think it can and qualify it that way? And having smart people around you, we work mm-hmm. really hard to put advisors, really great people around us that are, that know us personally, mm-hmm. that carry our same belief set, that are successful in business that can go, oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> You know, like, don't do that, you know, or they'll say, yeah, you know, you really should look at that. You know, having a group of advisors around you is really wise. And we encourage entrepreneurs to do that. I, uh, I was, I was kind of wondering if you were going to answer like, like, uh, and Shannon, I speak to you right now. So Mr. 50,000 foot over there keeps bringing ideas home and you keep going, that's a great idea, but let me tell you the 10 things that we've got to do to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> we can definitely definitely take it there. I mean, he is the visionary and he he has come up with a lot of great ideas and a lot of ideas that may be great and the timing was off or they just weren't great at all. That's a good point. Yeah. Um but you need that. That's yep. fuel for your business, right? But not like you said, not every idea is qualified and not every idea is worth pursuing. So We've adopted the, you know, Andy Stanley, wow, not how approach to that. Mm. Me being the, okay, how are we going to get this done kind of thinker, like instead of, oh, you know, and complicating the fact that we're married, right? Instead of him saying, hey, I have this idea. um, My first response can't be, well, how's that going to happen? And we have these 10 other things that we've already agreed to. It's just giving him space to, just saying, wow, just saying, wow, that's a great idea. Let's talk about that. And, and giving it space to process. He's very much a verbal processor and we, he may be the one to say, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more, 
you know, this doesn't make sense. Or he may, you know, talk me into it and we slot it or whatever. But I, I think um, for the sake of our marriage <laughs> and, the, and the growth of our business, we've, we've had to navigate how to have that balance of great ideas and opportunities to explore also with the filter of knowing it's going to take time, money, and resources to do them. And yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, if you have, if you haven't listened to anything else they've said today, this last minute that, that she just kind of outlined is, is well worth the price of admission. And, uh, and it's so many marriages out. You probably saved 50,000 marriages with that, with that one statement you just made <laughs> well, that, that have, awesome. you know, joint founders, you know, the husband and wife, and maybe she's the visionary. Maybe he's the one that's the, you know, the, the more of that, eh, here's the reasons why, you know, it's kind of the balance and, you know, in yeah. this, and you need that. You absolutely need that balance. And that's what's, it's like putting two sphere, you know, half spheres together to form the full, you know, the complete ball. You know, so I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And as I, I want to honor your time today, guys. This has been a, a great conversation, but I, I really want to kind of drill down in the the whole idea of the current state. You know, we find ourselves in this this COVID-19 coronavirus, you know, pandemic that that we're in the middle of. And I mean, you, you hear the horror stories of of what this could look like, you know, six months from now and, and how many people could be affected just kind of speak to those that are listening right now. Give us two or three just real hopeful handles, you know, to hang on to as business owners that say, yeah, um, you know, this is how you can navigate this. This is how you can walk your staff through this type thing. So I'm just really curious to hear what you guys have to say. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the first thing is right now, um, our job, I think, as, as leaders and as business owners um, is – to extend grace to our teams, mm. Ex extend grace to our folks, because we all need it. Every one of us needs it right now. It could be that we're working from home for the first time, or we're working with a spouse at home for the first time, or our kids are home and they're being homeschooled because there's no schools. You know, it just, this season as a leader mandates grace. And um, I think that that helps people navigate this season. And we're seeing signs of that so many places are people being helpful. But as a leader, the best thing you can do is say, hey, look, I, I really want to be here for you. And I realize it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, uh, your webcam might be messed up or your internet may be slow. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm here and I'm here to help you in this mm -hmm. time. So grace, I think, is the big thing I would call leaders to do right now is to extend that. I also think that... Um, this is going to be a distant memory in the not too distant future. And I think that it's important that we are organizations that are found helping people right now as best we can or helping save jobs, because I'm convinced that two years from now, people are going to look back on this time and remember how you treated them. Mm. Um, and then remember your brand and then remember your face and your service and, uh, or them as an employer or whatever. And so it's important that we, not lose sight of the fact that we're going to be remembered by how we treated people in this season. Yeah. Wow. That's a great, that those are two really great points. So Shannon, you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think communication is so vitally important. I mean, there's no shortage of information coming out right now, but if you're leading any amount of people in your company, then the onus is on you as the leader to communicate to your team the reality of the situation, 
and the hope that you have for the future mm -hmm. and, and maybe solicit their feedback for some creative things that you can be doing during this time to move your business forward and not be paralyzed. I think we've seen some amazing leadership rise up during this season of time where leaders have been sending videos to their teams, where they've been calling them on the weekends, checking in to see how they're doing and what they need um, to create a, you know, kind of virtual get togethers just for yeah. the team to, to be able to express their feelings and, and their concerns. But knowing all the while that whatever information you're communicating to your teams, they're filtering it through. What does this mean for me? What's going to happen for sure. To my job, what's going to happen to this company and my connection to it. So even if you don't have all the answers, even if you would rather just go back to bed and, and, you know, pretend like this isn't happening and wait it out. Um, you have to lead and you have to communicate right now more than ever. Guys, I, I really appreciate the way you've kind of wrapped up today and, and just really the whole tenor and, and the thread of the, of the conversation as a whole um, I encourage people to, you know, check out the website and the story behind the website. It's Belay Solutions. It's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com. And is there anything that, that I haven't touched on that you guys just want to wrap up with today? Just quick statement, comment, any, any questions that, you know, universal questions you want to ask? <laughs> Well, I will say, you know, Brian and I have tried our best as business owners to help other business owners during this time, just as you are. Um, and even before all of this started, we created another organization <laughs> called Own Not Run this year. Uh, we recently appointed a CEO over Belay, and a lot of people have asked us, how do you do that? How do you own your business and not run it? So initially, our intent was to speak around that topic. But in light of the recent events with COVID-19, we've shifted focus for that organization to really just meet business owners where they are. Mm. So if people are looking for additional resources around that, there's some amazing interviews that we've been conducting yeah, on notrun.com sure. for Instagram too. Yeah. And um, if you're working from home for the first time and you're trying to figure out how to do this, there are a ton of resources on that Belay Solutions site They're that are free, free yeah. um, for you to access. So I hope this was helpful. It certainly was. So tell me that other website again. Ownnotrun.com. All just spelled out all, all together. Own yeah, not run. Right. Okay. All right. And then guys, we'll, we'll certainly, yeah, we will, we'll certainly have, have both of those websites in the, in the show notes. And once again, I just want to thank you guys for taking the time. I know you're busy. I know you have busy schedules and you'll probably create another company by the time this goes to, <laughs> to, to publication. <laughs> but yeah, who knows? That's exactly right. But I'm just really grateful for you guys just taking the time and really casting vision and, and just kind of expressing hope in this yeah. really difficult time. And I can just tell just by this, you know, the smiles on your face and just the joy in your voice that, you know, this is, uh, you are casting hope for others that are, you know, that you're encountering right now. So thank you again. And just really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.